Welcome to the in-season podcast, the hunting podcast that brings back the camaraderie of hunting, the campfire conversations about gear, tactics, hunting stories, big bucks, gobbling turkeys, and whatever else might be in season. Whether you're an avid bow hunter, a small game enthusiast, or trying to plan your next big hunting adventure, we are here for it. So let's go. All right, welcome back to the in-season podcast. Holden and I are still here, day six of the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, PA, although this is only our second day, Holden. <laughs> um, but uh, today with us from Sniper Hog Lights, we have Jason Brooks, and we were walking around earlier. Mike's been using some of your products, Mike Austin from Treason, for a long time, and he said, hey, uh, we're going to leave the booth, and we got to go meet Jason because you got to talk to this guy because he knows that um, I started shooting some hogs this year, and I think I've ad- uh, developed a problem, uh, as my wife might call it. But, Jason, welcome to the In-Season Podcast. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, bud? Uh, we can't complain. So, we are, uh, I went over and had a chance to see some of your stuff, and you brought over a pretty cool setup behind us that <laughs> yeah. we'll be able to see on camera. We're recording all this here. But, um, how long have you been coming to the Great American Outdoor Show? This is our fifth year, uh, 2021. They didn't have it because of COVID. Right. So that was one year we didn't make it, but we've been here coming here since 2019. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. And um, how is the show typically for you? Do you get a lot of people that are coming in that are interested in in the sniper lights initially or that they've been using it for a long, long time and want another product? What does that look like? Is it entry level or is it people that have been doing it for a bit? It's a little bit of, a little bit of both. I mean, you get... You get return customers, but up here in Pennsylvania, you have a lot of red fox and coyotes. So mm-hmm. you have a lot of guys that are going out, running red lights, just kind of trying to get the feel of whether or not they're going to want to do the night hunting, the night hunting scene. You know, okay. there's a lot of there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just let's get out and go hunt. You know, you got to buy callers, you got to do all this stuff. So some guys don't want to make that huge investment with some of the new technology that's coming out. So a light's one of the easiest ways to get into it. Okay, so before we get into too much of the specifics of hog hunting or predator hunting with sniper hog lights, maybe give us a little bit of background on into your hunting history, how you got into to predator and hog hunting, and then also the history of sniper hog lights. Absolutely. So I was born and raised in upstate New York. Um, uh, There's not a lot of hogs there. No, no. <laughs> so we we grew up. I grew up raising Walker hounds, uh, chasing raccoons. You okay. know, so I. First time I ever went on my first uh, coon hunt, well, I was three years old. And that's and usually at night, too, so you need a light. Correct, right? correct. Okay. Back in those days, we were running the night lights, which were big, huge. You had to wear belts of batteries stacked up with a hard hat and a <laughs> white light on top of your head. So heavy, not very cumbersome, not fun to wear, but we get we made by with it. Was that just something that um, your family was in a culture of, like, hound hunting for raccoons? Was it a was it a nest predation type of control? Or was it just, hey, deer season's not in, and I want to be in the woods, and I want to kill shit? Like, what's, how's that right down? <laughs> so, my, my family is very avid hunters. Yeah. You know, we I grew up bear hunting, deer hunting, fishing. Um, it, off season, you're shooting groundhogs. You know, that's yeah, one of the things yeah. a lot of guys like to do up here. So, the night my dad got into coon hunting more than my family as a whole so it uh when he started raising walkers and back then actually furs were worth something so yeah. he would mm-hmm. he would shoot the raccoons just to sell the fur to the reservations okay yeah, yeah now now yeah, coon the prices, fur prices specifically are aren't, aren't worth a whole lot no. so okay so that gets us to uh when you first started getting into some nighttime hunting how did that evolve into what you do now yeah so back in 2012 i moved to texas and i met the owners of sniper hog lights and they bugged me for a while about hey man 
why don't you come out and go hunting with us? But I'm that guy that's like, if I don't have something to offer you first, I'm not going to be that guy that feels like I'm mooching. You yeah, know, like mm-hmm. I'm not going to hunt with you just because you're giving me the opportunity. So finally, my buddy Joe talked me into it. And uh, I went and he showed me their lights. We mounted them up on my bow. I was an avid bow hunter as it was. So it kind of went hand in hand. You know, they like to bow hunt. I like to bow hunt. Whether it was deer, hogs, didn't really matter at the time. It was like we're getting out in the field and just having a good time. So I started hunting with them. And there's something about the challenge of when you first mount up a bow light and you go and just shoot at night, right? You're just going out to practice. Even just in the backyard of the target. 100%. Because you everything changes. Finding your peep sight, being able to mm. see your pins, you know, just depth perception, you know, trying to judge distances, making sure you're making the right choice with the right pin. So there's a lot of things that come involved with it. And over the years, you know, you learn, but if you don't keep practicing it, then you lose it and we've had a lot of tv shows over there as they come down and they show up with their lights off their bow and we're like you guys haven't been practicing shooting these things no so you just the biggest thing is like when i first met them they had this very welcoming like friend like it was like the guys i grew up with and we became really close really fast yeah. and at the time rob actually started the business in 2000 late 2007 and he built his first bow light out of two aluminum one inch tubes and aluminum welded them together he epoxied the lenses soldered the wires to the driver boards put the leds on the driver board wired up for the battery he did everything and literally put a just a regular screw that would fit in his stabilizer port and drilled it through the back so he could dr- put it on his stabilizer. And believe it or not, I still have one on my old, my, my backup bow right now. Really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So was the bow light the first product? It was. It was. See, oh, that, wow. That's I feel cool. like that, that, uh, that, that excites right? me a yeah. little bit more, yeah. right? Because yep. most of my hog hunting, we talked off record, but uh, I've shot a couple with my bow, but it's because I was deer hunting and they came in. And you're not going to not shoot a hog with your bow. Yeah. You're just, you're it automatically get... turns into hog season once yeah, they show yeah, up. exactly. <laughs> but most of my intentional hog hunting, when we go out at night, when cameras are going off, uh, we... Mounted. I actually have a. It's, it's not a great hog gun, but it's just fun to shoot. It's a 44 mag lever action, uh, and I just feel like uh, I feel like John I'm a boss Wayne. when I'm just out here using oh, the lever yeah. action. You know, some John Wayne uh, stuff. Yeah. Not as not as cool as this gun behind me. I think if I had something like that, I'd, I'd probably put down the lever action. I bet. Yeah. yeah. So, so we talked a little bit about your history. What? How did you get? How did sniper hog lights get from that first bow light to? all of the stuff that I saw today. Like what's yeah, maybe, the, maybe the evolution the of the organization. And, yeah. Yeah. So Rob started his business on Texas bow hunter. So you'd kind of put the resignation of bow hunters, you put some in their hand and there was at the time there was a nine volt, uh, bow light out there, but it was just a regular, uh, bulb, like a regular bulb light. Yeah. You could barely see 20 yards with the thing. I mean, so very good. So when he came out with the first, that led technology, it like, blew up right because so, now like your the light that goes the furthest is how far the red the coyote can will shine 1050 yards minimum yeah so 20 yards to 1050 <laughs> that's quite that's, that's quite the that's advancement in technology right okay okay yeah and you've been officially working with them for how long since 2019 okay so you first hunted with them before that 2013 just, so you were you were hanging out you were hunting together mm-hmm. and then you said okay i want to i want to do more of this with them what it boiled down to was is i seen their you know status in the industry and when you learn the history of where they started and how other companies came into the market and kind of you know marketed better than they did it just it 
something inside me said, I need to help these guys. Like, yeah. I need to help them with their marketing side and get their name known for all the work that Rob's put into it, just his blood, sweat, and tears for other people to benefit from it just because they have better marketing. It just kind of dr- Even though they have an inferior product. Correct. Yeah. And, and that, was, that was one of my things. Is I really just wanted to put Sniper Highlights on the map where they should have been so long ago. And, okay. And that's when they, you know, were like, you want to come work for us? I was like, I quit because I was working for a fertilizer terminal, you know, dealing yeah. with liquid Exc- fertilizer. Exciting work. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's quite a uh, situation. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Okay. So if, if I walked up to your booth, you'd never met before, what is the, like, what's the elevator pitch of what is Sniper Hog Lights as it sits today? Like, if we walked up here, day six, Great American Outdoor Show, and someone says, what do you guys do? Like, what, what is this? What, what does that look like? So we always pride ourselves in, in uh, having the furthest shining lights in the size lights they are. So for instance, okay. like our 38LRX bow light, it'll shine 352 yards with a red LED. I can't shoot that far. No. Right. Yeah, that, <laughs> Nobody can with a bow, right? <laughs> so that, that's kind of like the thing. So then you, you could step it up to a 50, a 66, and then the Coyote can as far as our gun lights. But the biggest thing is the longevity of the batteries running with the power we're powering the lights at and not having extreme dimming because of the power we run the lights at and continue to hold the amount of range we can get out of our lights and so do the lights are they rechargeable do they run on batteries yeah mix of both what we run off all of our batteries run off of rechargeable 18650s or 21700s okay so it's you're going to get the same runtime no matter which battery you run with the light it's designed Designed. for okay And it's like a, you get it you get in after a night of hunting and you plug it in and it's it's good to go fully charged. Oh yeah, like you know it's 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 kind of ironic you say that we we have guys that buy bow light package right and they they get extra batteries and we're like in a bow light. Most like, guys, hey, I'm, 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 I'm happy to sell you more, yeah. but that may not make but sense. But I charge my bow light every two years. Really? Oh, oh yeah. My. That's and, you, crazy. and I'm sure you use it a lot. Well, that's the, that's the thing is, but. Most guys, when they're getting ready to shoot, you're turning your bow light on for 10, yeah, yeah. 15, 20 seconds. Yeah, it's not so like you're walking you, around necessarily with your cor- bow light on the whole time. Right? Correct. You're just so, turning it on for, you know, drawing back and taking your shot for the most part. Okay. And it's not just gun or bow mounted lights. There's also headlamps as well. Correct. Yeah. yeah so we have two headlamps, the 40 cap and the 50 cap. Um, and the difference between them is the 40 cap has a little bit of run. It runs almost seven hours straight run time on high. Um, but it has a full dimmer, so you can dim it from 10% to 100%. The 50 cap's the same. It's just powered a little higher and is a little bit bigger bezel, so it's able to shine 300 yards further in each color, but also gets about a four and a half hour straight hour runtime on high. Okay. And then do all the lights have a focus? Can yes, you- they all focus from flood to spot, and all the lights are interchangeable LEDs, so you can run red, green, white, or IR. And we do offer oh, wow. 850 or 940, and that is in the headlamps as well. Okay. Oh, that's so I got I got some questions about this because I always thought that look hogs I'm going to use a green light, predators I'm going to use a red light. Now I say that as someone that hasn't had much experience predator hunting. Correct. Correct. <laughs> uh, but we've we've talked to some other predator hunters, and they talked a little bit more about hey, like we actually use white light for a coyote because it blinds them a little bit more. They're not going to see the shadow lines. From from where you guys are at, and w- or what you recommend, how do you break that down from white, red, and green? Depend on what you're hunting and what your purpose is. Well, you pretty much highlighted it with saying what you're hunting and what your purpose is. So it has a lot to do with demographic. Different demographics can have different successes. You go out to West Texas where it's flat and you don't have a lot of things, you're gonna have 
car lights can shine forever, right? So you're going to get away with running red white light. Okay. You come hunt with me in South Texas, where I'm at in Victoria. If you turn on a green light, everything's running. You turn on a red light, you have a better chance of killing something. So it's a it's a huge demographic. Can can you do it? Sure. You could. You you can have the possibility of doing it, but you're more likely to spook something with a red or green or a white or green than you will a red. So okay. It's it the higher the nanometer the light, the less likely you're going to spook an animal. So the first time I went out with a gun, and it was a I think I told you this right. I, I bought some crappy light off of Amazon. It was like I couldn't see more than I don't know thirty or forty yards. So we're spotting stock with a gun at night. These hogs are at the feeder, and we got up to I think 20, 30, 30 yards. And I was expecting to turn the light on and have to shoot right away, right? And maybe it was this demographic. We had the green light on. There's like twenty hogs around this feeder. We knew where the wind was. That was the most important thing, and we were quiet. But they didn't. It's like they didn't even care. They didn't even notice it. And it was, I was shocked. Because I think in the past, doing some doing some coyote hunting, you get the red line on them, like you can see them, but they, they kind of stop and then they, they bolt it, right? For, for hogs specifically, you're going to change depending on the demographic as well then. Or are you going to stick to more green? No, it's demographic. I am, I'm a proponent for if higher nanometer, less visible light, less likely to spook. Now, you get guys that have success with green in some areas, and you have guys that have success with red. A lot of that has to do with education. So if you have an area where you don't have people that are using red or green, or vice versa, you know, or they're using more green or probably use more red, then obviously you're going to have some pigs that aren't conditioned to those colors, and they're not probably going to spook when you hit them with a green light. Okay. Um, I got spots down where I'm at where if you hit them with a green light, they're gone, and I don't even shoot them with green. So... It, I only run red when I run, if I'm running bow lights or, you know, go lights on my guns. But if you're in an area where there's more car traffic, you're like, hey, I'm able to get away with white because they see it all the time. It's not threatening. If you're in an area where maybe there's a bunch of overhead towers and they see red lights flashing different areas, maybe maybe that helps you at the same time. So, Absolutely. But it's nothing related to the vision necessarily of that animal and what they can see better necessarily. No, and the reason why I'll, the reason why I say that is because I've had animals spook to 850 IR which is not visible to our naked eye. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we can't see infrared. And when I have, uh, you know, I get on a sounder of pigs that I've shot at before, and, you know, because I've had people say, well, they're seeing the glow of the light. And I'm like, no, they were facing the other direction and yeah. turned around and looked at me, you know. So they seen some light. They, they, sent, they sent something. They sent something. Okay. So, and I play wind no matter what, especially yeah. hawk hunting. Yeah. I mean, you're always going you to. You can always get downwind. I mean, predators are a little different because they can circle you, you know, because you're trying to get them to come in front of you, but they can circle you a lot easier than hogs will. Yeah. Well, I think once hogs get an area where there's food, yeah, they, they you, kinda can, look... you can depend on them being there for a little bit of time. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Your first bow hunting night with a light hog hunt. I kind of, I kind of want to hear like what the emo, the, the story, the emotions, because that had to yeah, have there, just there had to be a little, little bit of a learning curve. For you it. had to, have, it had to have hooked you completely. <laughs> oh yes, yes. So complete honesty. Not gonna, not gonna throw out no BS or nothing. My first five hogs I shot, we did not find. Okay. So that was just because shot too low, shot too far back in the guts. They don't you bleed know, well. They don't, and that goes to broadhead. You know, that's mm-hmm. why I like my buddies, you know, they're not proponents of any specific arrow, but they like good cut on contact broadheads just because fixed blade at that, mm-hmm. just because they make bigger wound channels, which obviously help you have better blood trails. Well, and what I found, even with shooting them with a gun or, or the one with the bow, because the first one I shot with a bow during the day, I couldn't find yeah. until 
like oh, two weeks later in the Georgia heat when I saw buzzards <laughs> circling and I'm like, hey, I bet my hogs over there and I went and found it, right? So, because not only is their hair just thick, mm-hmm. but they're usually Wired. caked in mud, mm-hmm. right? So when the blood starts running out, all the mud absorbs it and it never drips to the ground. So there's just not great blood trails. At least that's what I found in, in Georgia where we have creek systems and all this that they're running through. I don't know if that's consistent with where you're 100%, at. hundred percent, hundred percent. And another thing is, is a lot of people don't know this about the anatomy of a hog because everybody's deer hunters, right? Yeah. So we know how big a lung is on a deer. It's pretty big. You can yeah. hit a little bit further back and you're still going to double lung the animal. Problem with a hog is, is it comes up and does like a big L. So if you hit right where you think you're hitting in the money spot, right behind the shoulder, sometimes you're hitting too far back and you're actually hitting them in the guts. So will you find them? It's possible. All is going to depend on the blood trail. When I found my first one, you have no idea at the side of relief. Because I was like, (laughs) I ain't bow hunting. After the first five, I ain't bow hunting no more. Because again, if they don't don't bleed well, right, Mm -hmm. and maybe you have a bad shot and they're still going to live for hours and hours and hours. Like you can't track them from the blood because it's all getting absorbed in that mud and, and everything like that. So, okay. So you missed the first couple. No, no, I he hit them. He, he, he didn't find them. He just didn't find them. Uh, you know, the, the anatomy thing was interesting for Holden and I, because when we went to South Africa, I bought a book because all of their organs are way further forward mm-hmm. in each species, subspecies of antelope, the lungs are shaped way different, right? Like I think it was on the, I think it was on the Gims buck. It was either right behind the front shoulder and then it arched way up towards the spine. So again, on a, on a double lung, mid double lung or the back double lung on a deer, you're, you're going to miss. You're, you're missing, mm-hmm. right? You're over. So we had to study, I think, the lung anatomy there. And it's similar, I think, from a, from a hog perspective. For a bow hunter, the rule of thumb for me was I, I bought a McKenzie target and we had one in our yard. Yep. And, you know, the circles on a McKenzie target are kind of a little bit further back. So I didn't shoot for the further back, though. I always aimed for the elbow. Cause that's a hard shot yeah so if you aim right at the crease of that elbow and you put it right there you're probably gonna get a hard shot every time okay and that's my that's always been my when i take people out because most most of our bow setups we try to do between 15 and 25 yards you know so you're you're not you don't have to change pins you know i'm doing unless it's unless it stays out there a little bit further and you got to maybe poke one at 30 but for the most part everything's really close so it's like you know i try to explain just aim right there on that elbow if you put it in there you're going to get lung or you're going to you're going to heart shoot them okay do you um do you guys actually have um any like hog hunts or outfits that you do as well where you bring people out to or is it uh you just have property that you hunt you might have bring some buddies out from time to time so i i lease property but i don't guide okay so it's more of a buddy buddy family i'll take people out but yeah, when you said you brought people out, I didn't know if you meant it was like you guys actually have some So what I like to do services. is, I'll be completely honest with you, I like to take kids. Kids and people, yeah. military, you know, former military. Um, I actually just got done doing a, a buddy of mine asked me if I would uh, take out, he's a paramedic up here in Jersey. <clears throat> he lives in PA, but he works in Jersey. <coughs> Sorry. Got a dry throat. Need water? I'm all right. Okay. <laughs> I think. <coughs> Yeah, I'm good. So he came down and one of his buddies asked me, he goes, hey, I got like a make a wish hunt. This guy's always want to kill a pig. I was like, all right, y'all take him out. Took him out, got him his first pig. Dude was ecstatic. But we cut it up, quartered it out, and he took it home with him. So that's what I live for. But I also take a lot of kids out. Yeah. Just because a lot of people don't really think about it a lot, but the youth is our future. If we aren't getting and concentrating on not only our success and having fun in it, but we have to get the youth involved. If we're not getting the youth involved, we're not going to have a hunting industry. Well, and I think, I think the other part of it, people have on the podcast have heard me tell this, 
in the last two years, I've shot 17 deer now, right? Yeah. Uh, now the Georgia deer are a little smaller, so I need more to fill <laughs> oh, my freezer, on. right? But my favorite hunts, even though in that period I've shot five <clears throat> bucks, and multiple of them were my biggest in certain states, right? My favorite hunts, there's two. One was when my five-year-old, she was five at the time, and we shot two does, and she wanted to be out there, wanted to track it, and it was just such a great time to be out there. And the other one was this season when my eight-year-old came out and she thought she was a detective because she's blood tracking and she's leading the blood track and she finds it. She want, I didn't think she'd want to watch me field dress it, right, or gut it. Right. And she's like holding the leg and holding the light and asking what, oh, this organ was and that organ was. It was, so from a kid perspective, that's where I get a lot of my fulfillment as well, whether it's taking buddy's kids out or taking my girls out. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree more from that perspective. Well, I have a buddy who, he actually hunts with uh, disabled outdoorsmen, outdoors. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I took him hunting a few times. He's a really good buddy of mine. His name's Larry, and he's wheelchair bound. Eyes <laughs> I'm trying my I thought you were going to tear up because you had like a really emotional. No, no, story no, no. Right? We, we can call it that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm actually just about to get into it. I just took because mm. he doesn't need to Yeah. And we're back. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> Need we, a little water. A little water break. Uh, all right, you were you were getting into a couple of specific hunting stories, and you were you were talking about taking kids out. I, I'm sure you have so many, um, but what are the ones like when you reflect back when, when you're 20 years in the forward, or if we're 20 years in the future, what are some of those experiences that you'll reflect back on and be like that was special? Just a few weeks ago, I took uh, my one of my best friends' sons. His name's Cooper. And uh, he has muscular dystrophy. And <clears throat> with that, you just don't know how long they're going to be on this mm -hmm. earth. So we try to do everything we possibly can with him. And uh, for the last two years, I've taken him deer hunting. Doesn't but, involve. But with, but with muscular dystrophy, there's a lot of mobility problems, right? Tremendous. In, specifically, <clears throat> endurance problems. And anything where they have to contract a muscle for a longer period of time, they fatigue way faster, but just general mobility problems, which leads to joint mobility problems. It's it's difficult to navigate and traverse the outdoors. Oh, 100%. And that's, we uh, actually, we did a huge fundraiser uh, two years ago, and we got him a tracks chair. And so now he's, he shot an elk. He got to go oh. shoot. He, no, he's, got, <laughs> he's got to... Uh, He's got to shoot an Audad, which he just got awarded last weekend. Oh, wow. But <clears throat> this year, he wanted to try to kill a buck. How old is Cooper? 13. 13. Okay. Yep. So, um, and I'm no, I've known Cooper since he was four. Yeah. You know, yeah, so man. I've known him for several years and uh, just watching him grow up and his passion for the outdoors. It, you know, I take him deer hunting. We try to go hog hunting. We try to do stuff like that. With, with his mobility issues, it makes it a little hard, but um, he loves killing pigs. Like, he is a night hunter. He wants to go coyote hunt. He wants to do... He wants to be a normal kid. So with the deer hunt, this year I took him out. The first day he shot a he shot a doe and uh, with his crossbow. He got a raven's crossbow. So that was okay. his second one with his crossbow. And then uh, the next day we went out and uh, he shot a... It would have been a really nice 10, but he had half his rack broke off. Oh, okay. Oh. So he shot a he shot a nice five, but it was a, it was a great a mature <laughs> yeah, deer. Yeah. Good deer yeah. that had to go because with the with the uh, damage and that he had done from breaking that horn off, it had a lot of pus and buildup in its face. Mm. So he, he was going to be getting he, he yeah. might have not made it through the winter. Correct. He, he had stuff. a lot of whatever winter you guys actually have in Texas. <laughs> well, we did get the Arctic blast, so that's right. It was kind of cold. So. Um, and then he shot a doe right after that. So he ended up going home with three deer. And it was it was it's one of those memories that I will always have. You know, it's it's uh, we documented it pretty well, you know, on our social media and stuff. But at the same time, we wanted to uh, 
just make him feel comfortable. That was a big thing. So we, we set up a blind for him, and, and it was good. It's fun. You know, that's what I like to do. So uh, there's a guy that I hunted with in South Dakota, Nick Kulcherman, and Nick was just on the podcast, and he is in South Dakota. Okay. Mostly guides, pheasant hunts, does some waterfowl. Some uh, predator. Some pre- yeah, mm-hmm. night, night predator hunting, mostly with thermal setups. Right. But he is building right now the largest ADA compliant hunting lodge, like I think it's west think, of the Mississippi. Yeah. Like it is, it is nice. massive. So everything from a separate lodge that has tra- yeah. transfer tracks overhead and Hoyer lifts to even the, he has somebody building him a blind that's like an elevated box blind. Nice. That's going to have elevator. an elevator in it because it's initially for paraplegics, quadriplegics, muscular dystrophy, people that are wheelchair bound that want to enjoy the outdoors. Right. So the whole setup from the lodge to the fishing areas to the pheasant hunting to the predator hunting is all going to be making. So people, exactly what you said, they just want to be able to do normal things mm-hmm. in trying to find a way that they're not limited is is a big priority so we'll have to connect you with nick or connect cooper with nick absolutely that may be something they'll want to do absolutely so it's a great that, that's, that's awesome good stuff what about somebody else that maybe they are new completely <clears throat> new to hunting they, they, they're not like legacy deer hunters right uh you know i took a i took a it was a father daughter and uh they're big into cart racing but i met them because the young their youngest daughter shoots archery she just shoots mm. 3D shoots. Yeah. She's not a big hunter. Yeah. She just like shoot 3D. I met him, and the dad always talked about, I've always wanted to kill a pig. So I'll tell you what, how about all three of you load up one day, come down, and I'll take you pig hunting. You know, they came down, and every single one of them got to shoot a pig. And it was just uh, the excitement. That's what gets it for me. You know, when it, when it takes, I, I can go shoot pigs any day of the week that I want to so but I get to take somebody new that's never done it before and doesn't get in the outdoors it's just a whole new excitement because you're watching them face let up and if they go and tell their friends and it makes their friends want to get into it and you continually get there then they talk about somebody else and that's what gets more people in the outdoors than than just you know watching what people are doing you don't even have to hear them say anything if you just can look, see the look in their eyes <laughs> exactly. when that happens, it is, uh, man, it, it makes my day, makes my week, makes my month, all that. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. It's good stuff. So I have a question here. Sure. So I don't have a, a nighttime light, never really been nighttime hunting. So I, my furthest shot, 400 yards. Yep. Right? So what what's the ideal kind of setup, right? It's going to be my first time with a light, you know, mounted on uh, a rifle. What's the... What's probably the best light for that situation? You know, it, it really depends on the two. The two that I would recommend would be the sixty-six or the Coyote Cannon. Okay. Sixty-six is, is really the crutch for that, and the reason being is because of its size. It's sixty-six millimeter head, but it has a one-inch tube. The Coyote Cannon was built to be long range, so mm-hmm. it is a little bit bulkier, it's a little bit heavier for a guy that's going to want to move around. <clears throat> you know, kind of spot and stalk. If you're on a tripod, it's not a big deal. But yeah. if you're not on a tripod, you know, you're setting up on a bipod or you're carrying your gun all over your shoulder in and out. You're not just setting it on a tripod like I carried over mm-hmm. here. And, and you, when you have it like this, you're obviously not worried about weight. Right? Yeah, you, can exactly. run a, you can run a which, big... Which one is this on your gun behind us? This is the Coyote Cannon. That's the Coyote Cannon. Okay. So the 66 is the same diameter here, but the light comes and then just goes to it. Like there's oh. no... there's This whole thing's here. So the main reason this is so big is the LED module, the design of the module itself. So we had to build a big radiator in there to dissipate the heat. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So, so my recommendation would be a 66 for the price point wise too, because it's, you know, you're going to be $60 cheaper. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> what, what about just the, the whole gun setup, right? Well, so first of all, maybe tell us what's behind us, but then 
for someone that wants to get into it more and is looking to maybe not use their lever action 44 mag or, <laughs> or hold it over here with like his six his six five that he just got what if you're talking to somebody what are, what are they looking for like what do you recommend not if we brand but caliber setup certain features that they're looking for Calibers is 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 going to be like a deer hunter's caliber. You know, you're not, you don't need a lot, but I'm shooting a 224 Valkyrie. One okay. of the main, re- but I'm shooting a heavier bullet. One of the reasons I shoot a 224 Valkyrie is because we have predators, we have bobcats, we have fox, we have coyotes. So during this time of year, I don't want to blow them up. If I if I end up pre- I'm out hog hunting, predator comes mm-hmm. out, or I decide to call while I'm out hog hunting, I don't want to blow up their fur because I want to keep it. Yeah. So I try to shoot smaller calibers. Now, ideally, we have a 65 Grendel. We're shooting 123 grain. Okay. We've got a 6.5 Creed shooting 140 or 129. Um, I also got a 308. You know, where we're shooting <clears throat> even bigger bullets. I got a 350 Legend shooting 150 grain. It kind of depends on when I'm talking to people. It's going to depend on how have you hog hunted before. If they say no, I'm going to give them probably my 6.5 Creed, the Grendel, or my 350 Legend. Something a little mm-hmm. bit more with thump. I yeah. want I want to make sure even if they hit it in the guts. It's gonna fall over. But the, but that that 350 legend or the 65, they also don't have as much recoil yeah, for correct. people that aren't gonna Kids aren't, can, aren't used yeah. to shooting it, as much. It, I mean, if you if you're talking about my setups, I run all my setups suppressed. Now, not everybody has suppressors. Suppressors are huge for taking out recoil in any big gun, any bigger caliber yeah, gun. I uh, when we were in <coughs> Africa, I uh, I shot my sable with a 375 H and H, and it had a suppressor on it, and it felt like a 243. <laughs> <laughs> right, it was it was unreal, and that, and that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize when they do buy suppressors is mm-hmm. if you, you know, you could go back to our talking about Cooper. You know, my buddy Josh, his dad wants to build him a custom rifle. Well, he can't take any recoil right. because of his mm-hmm. because of his condition. So, you know, just trying to find that perfect caliber for somebody to where you don't want it. Even for a new person, I don't want them to flinch. I don't want them to be nervous to pull the trigger that's going to kick them. Yeah. So. Just setting them up, making them comfortable. I always try to take them out before we hunt, just to shoot. Don't right. shoot the gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to. I want you comfortable with the gun to make sure we choose the gun that's going to work for you. With this caliber, I try to. And this is the two two four Valkyrie. Correct. Yes, okay. sir. So this is my two two four Valkyrie. I shoot at seventy five grains out of it. Um, this is our personal night vision scope, so I have multiple setups. I run day scopes with red light, but then I also run our night vision with IR. And I've tested almost every digital night vision on the market, just so when Let's say you boys come up to me and say, hey, Jason, what's going to be the best IR for this scope? I want to know the best answer. I don't want to just say buy our best light because you may not need the Coyote can. They may not be the distances and all that. You may not need the overkill of it. So from the standpoint of, you know, caliber, choice of choice of optics, choice of light, it's all it's all personal based. And what's going to work best for the person, you know, in their conditions of getting out and wanting to kill pigs. That's cool. Yeah. So let's say whole hypothetically, this is a hypothetical. <laughs> let's say Holden and I uh, love bow hunting mm-hmm. hypothetically, and we wanna we I wanna get that. It's more than hypothetical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a situation that's real, but it's a hypothetical now. Right. Um, how does the bow lights? The sniper hog light that fits on the bow. How does that mount? Because right now, like I took that cheap one that I had, and it, it like mounts zip tied and super glue. Uh, no, it's got some little like plastic <laughs> mount, but I I essentially just had to mount it underneath the stabilizer, and it, it messed up the weight, and it, it, it kind of threw me off a little bit when I was just shooting a target at night. Right. So the 38 has a sling, like a uh, the 
like a threaded insert that yes, does it fit right into the stabilizer? It does. It, ta oh. it takes the place of your stabilizer. Okay. Yeah, so I don't you, think you I realized just, you'll that. You'll just unscrew your stabilizer Correct. and screw the light. Yeah, and it weighs it weighs ten ounces. So I don't know what 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 size you guys usually run on your stabilizers, mm -hmm. but I've shot a three D tournament with my bow light on. Yeah. Get guys go. Why are you running a bow light on there? It's because I'm comfortable. That's what I'm comfortable yeah. shooting yeah. with. I'm gonna take my, I'm gonna because, take my light off. because why not? Right. 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 Why, why aren't you running it with yeah. the light on? <laughs> right. Does does like the bow light? Does it have like a pressure switch or it, how, how does that? Yeah, so we have a cord that comes up and I mount mine to the rise front front of my risers because mm -hmm. it has a high and a low. Okay, and they are pressure sensitive. You can click them on, but you don't have to. You can so just touch it. Just and touch it. You know, it turns yeah. on. So when you're in full draw, if you feel like the the hogs are being a little spooky, you don't have to turn the light on. Like I'll click it on to make that click noise. You can just pressure sensitive it now. My light doesn't have that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was messing with it, and I I tried to I don't know, rig this up with zip ties and duct tape or whatever. Uh, very nowhere near as efficient as what you're talking about, and I couldn't get the, the the switch where I wanted it to make sure I could actually turn it on. Every time I would do it, I end up torquing because uh, not torquing, torquing my my bow a little bit well, to we make know sure. What you're, trying to do. <laughs> you're trying to bring on. Anybody, I don't know if anybody uh, wants to see that. But, but I kept torquing my wrist, and it was it was messing everything up yeah. on my on the bow setup. So okay, what's the furthest you've shot a hog with your bow at night? Seventy-two yards. Oh. <laughs> Down in South Texas. Okay, and what's your arrow? You, you talked about the the cut on contact broad mm -hmm. fixed blade, right? Mm -hmm. um, just because I think of I think some of these mechanicals, the blades are so thin mm -hmm. in in the mud, in the hair, in the hide, or or that shield that mm -hmm. they have, right? What type of weight are you running total from an arrow setup for hogs? I run a 9.2 grain per inch guide gear from, which is a victory arrow yeah. off a sportsman's guide. Yep. Cheap. You know, you're not going to, my biggest thing is if a hog breaks an arrow, I don't want to be mad that it was a $12, $15 arrow, right? right. Or, a, or a same in the broadhead and or the uh, lighted knock. Okay. So when, and this is something that the boys at Sniper Hog Lights just kind of instilled in me because, you know, they grew up, they grew up in the mountains where they lived off the land and they didn't have a lot of money. So from a, you want something that's tough, right? But if it breaks, then you're not, you're not the, as upset. The the three that I've hot shot in the last two years, they've broke every mm -hmm. arrow. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've not got one back. Yeah, so I actually had a buddy of mine come down and uh, he went hunting with me, and we bow hunted, and uh, every single one of his arrow setups was ninety bucks. So Holy ninety bucks an arrow, smoke. and he's and he actually he shot he did shoot a pig, um, but he actually before that he put two in the mud, and we didn't find them. So here he is shooting pigs, and he's you know <laughs> yeah I, I may I, I did that initially before um, actually just uh, the next were over I've been shooting DCA mm -hmm. uh, the last couple of years and it's it's real it's a more affordable but it's still high quality yeah but I took a different setup to Africa and let's see it was the I think the arrow was like thirty three dollars then you got you know a three pack of the of the halo knocks that I had on the back or another you know thirty bucks and then the broadheads I think I was using were like 70 150 grain fixed blade for mm -hmm. three it was like 80 bucks yeah. so and as I'm sighting it in, putting my sight tape on, not the broadhead wasn't on it, I lost two of those suckers <laughs> in like the first three hours. I was so bad. I was like, I was so angry because uh, it just went under all the pine straw. I, I took a metal, I borrowed my neighbor's metal detector and took it still out. Still couldn't still find still couldn't I, was, I was really irritated. But uh, I think that makes sense. Is there a certain spine though? Like people can shoot whatever, but I imagine you want to shoot like a 300 or 250 spine for that. I actually 350. Um, I stay with 350. You shoot um, with 350, yeah. okay. Um, and surprisingly, I also, you know, I take that to Elko. You know, a lot of people say, well, I want, you don't even want to run a heavier arrow. You want to, 
And then you got the guys that say speed kills, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. you, it's either you're heavy and slow or you're speed and fast. We stay right in the middle of the road. Yeah. You know, stay in the middle of the road. If it works on pigs, why is it not going to work on an elk? If it works on deer, why is it not going to work on an elk? And right. it does. You know, we, every, well, if you're every, at a 9.8 GPI, and what's your draw length? I'm a 30. You're a 30? Yeah. I mean, your arrow's still got to be north of 300 right. or, or yeah. 500, right? Yeah. 500 total right. weight, I would suspect. Oh, so you're absolutely. still on, like, the, the heavier side. Right. You're not shooting a, you know, 400. Right, but I'm comfortable still shooting out to 120 yards with it. So yeah. you look at okay. it. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. But that's what we practice, you know, and, they, and that's what it comes with archery is if you're going to go out west and you're going to Africa, I yeah. mean, I mean, if you watch, anybody watches the Bomars, I mean, Josh Bomar ain't, ain't scared to rip it at 120 yards. You he's, know? he's drawing like 110 pounds, yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it's 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 what you're comfortable with and with anything that we do in the hunting industry you're different than me and mm-hmm. you're different than him and vice versa so it's wh- whatever you're confident i think the confidence in what your setup exactly. is whether it's the bow the gun confidence is what kills 100 yeah. percent. yeah even the gun especially i uh, just since i was up here we went out one night for uh do a little bit of predator hunting and the first night i ran i, sh- I shot everything that came in my buddy's like this is your first night back you know you shoot everything perfect went five for five next night we go out he lets me call he's on my gun well he's not comfortable with my gun prior to that mm-hmm. he did kill a coyote but he shot two fox and missed you and, know, he, so. and he's probably like he's he's a killer right yeah he shot 92 fox red fox this season which started the Holy end of october that so. is <laughs> sounds fun yeah, yeah. you're talking about you were talking about the fur the first red fox that I shot in Michigan uh, was with a 54 cal muzzle loader that was like nice. octagon barrel and a flintlock on the side. Uh, fur was not saved. It, nope. was, it was ruined. There probably wasn't much fox left. No, no, not at all. Uh, I ended up uh, didn't get anything mounted on that because the taxidermy work would have a lot of a lot of extra patchwork and sewing. Save the tail. What's that? Could save the tail. I should have. Uh, at the time, I was in college and yeah. super broke, and I went and like looked at how much would it be to, to tan this or mount it, and uh, it was way more. I regret <laughs> I regret it every single day now because I have not shot a fox that was as beautiful, a red fox that was as beautiful mm-hmm. as that one. So, all right. So, what's um what other shows are you guys at throughout the throughout the year? So this is our second show of the year. <clears throat> we always start the year off with DSE Dallas Safari okay. Club, and then. Uh, I will be March 1st through the 3rd. I will be in Oklahoma City for the Backwoods show. Oh. And then <clears throat> after that, I don't have another show till July. Uh, I'll be down in McAllen, Texas for the uh, Texas Sportsman Show. Okay. And then uh, we follow that up. The first weekend of August, we have a triple. It's uh, Texas Trophy Hunters. So you have Houston, Fort Worth, and then San Antonio three weeks in a row. Okay. And uh, is hog your favorite thing to hunt now? It is. I, you is know, it just because you can do it anytime, year-round, any weapon? Yeah, just. Well, the best part is, is and, and, and I don't know if you want to call this a good thing or not, because it is a nuisance animal now in Texas, so most guys that come down, they don't have to have a hunting license. Yeah. A, lot people, a lot of people don't know that. Like, you don't have to oh, buy a hunting yeah. license I to shoot yeah, pigs. I didn't know that. See, I think, I think in Georgia, we have to have just any basic hunting license. Right. You just have to have yeah, something. So, yeah, the small game license works. And um, you can't be in a moving vehicle. The ve- you yeah. can be in the vehicle. The vehicle yeah. just can't be on gotcha. when you do it. Yeah. Uh, but I, Texas, is, I mean, Georgia's a big problem, but Texas is obviously way worse from right. what I understand. See, in Texas, it's a little different. <clears throat> if you're on private land, you can be in a side-by-side or a, a helicopter, or helicopter, whatever you want to. <laughs> so, I mean, <clears throat> Texas is a different different breed of state, but, you know, you just look at it and go, yeah, I want to live in Texas. I can do everything I want to it's, do. It's right? still the Wild West in <laughs> some is. parts. It is. It is. Okay. Just don't go to Austin, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. You'll be all right. <laughs> uh, we... Uh, 
the company that I work for, we have like 15 clinics in the Austin area. So and in three in Dallas. So anytime I go there for work, it's always in Austin. Mm. And you lay in there in the airport, the first thing you see is the big sign that says, Keep Austin mm. weird. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Can I go? I lived in Asheville, North Carolina for eight years, and it's it's pretty weird, a little People don't like when I say hippie. I got to say like granola or right. earthy. Yeah. But uh, but it was the same thing. It's like Austin. And I'm like, can I go somewhere where there's less people and less skinny jeans and maybe more guns? Like, let's let's do that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Where's Victoria? I need to go that way. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's great. So um, what's the most popular product you guys sell? At a show like this, like what are, what are you going to sell the most of? For this part of the country, because you have some big fields, but not quite as big fields. The 66 always seems to be a big one. Um you know, that's normally what we sell the most of. But then you get those guys that are like, I just want the biggest, baddest, best. You know, they want the most most image quality for if they're running night vision because we do offer IR. So you got the guys that are switching over to digital night vision and they want the best performance out of it. So they go with the Coyote Cannon because for guys like you, you know, you didn't want to video your hunts. You want to have that best quality mm-hmm. to share with people. So the best quality you're going to get out of, a, out of an image is going with the Coyote Cannon with the most you know, to get the most light down range. And you get people, sorry, you were probably going <coughs> the same question. Go no, uh, I was going to, the Coyote Cannon was like 1,100 yards, is that what you said? So the Coyote Cannon signs at the minimum of 1,050 with red, 1,770 with green, and, and then 1,650 what, with and white. And then what's the, the 66? Is that the other one that yeah, you were saying that was popular? Yeah, it shines 750 yards with red, and we meter all of our lights, so these are minimum distances. Some shine more, shine further. Uh-huh. Uh, it just kind of depends on who gets lucky and gets the one that shines the furthest, <laughs> but you know, but it's then, not going to be less than that. No, okay. you're never going to buy a light. And if, it, if for some reason you get one and it, it is, you can send it to us and we will put it on a meter and be like, okay, if, if it is lower, then we will send you one that it's not. You know, mm-hmm. We stand behind what we say. Okay. Uh, your question was not not going to be my question. Although as I'm as I'm sitting here, I don't exactly. Oh, this is what I was going to ask. So we had a, we talked to Chef Albert from Outdoor Solutions mm-hmm. yesterday, and we were talking about the difference of cooking wild hog versus like a, a Boston butt you buy from the store. Yep. When you um, do you cook a lot of wild hog or do you oh, keep a lot yeah. of it? Oh, so yeah. so oh, what yeah. is your we go talk, to recipe? Yeah. What's your go to recipe for somebody that doesn't know what the heck they're doing? I'm going to be completely honest. I like the bigger pigs. So a lot of people don't. They say stay away from yeah. big boars. <laughs> we right? talked about this yesterday. <laughs> keep, Every, keep going. Keep everybody, going. <laughs> everybody says stay away from the big boars. They're nasty. They smell whatever. The bigger the pig, the more fat. So what? when you make a steak, do you cook it and then cut all the fat off of it and eat it? I do because I don't like yeah, the you, 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 You're asking yeah, okay. the wrong person. If, okay, yeah. if, it's, if it's marbled inside, I'm yeah, okay. good. But I'm not. So, I'm not the guy that wants to take the cap off and just chew on it for an hour. His, and a half. his family doesn't use like salt or pepper. That's or not anything. true. It's like too spicy for them or my, something. My daughter crazy. does think ketchup <laughs> is spicy. So, so it, the more fat, the more flavor. Right. Yeah. You're in. So, what I do is all the pigs that we shoot that we can keep. For that matter, because I only have so much space, right? I, right, I got freezers yeah. and I got refrigerators that we store them in, but I only have so much space. So we don't, obviously, I, with all the pigs I shoot, I don't get to keep them all. Um, I do donate. I do give away a lot of meat, too. Um, but when I when I get all my pigs cut up, I quarter them out. I let them rest for anywhere from five to seven days in the refrigerator. And then after that, I'll debone them. Whether I'm going to keep the hams or I'm going to keep the, you know, of course, I keep the back straps, just back straps for clean them up. And then I... That's probably my favorite. Between the back straps and on a big pig, the ribs. If you've never had Ooh. wild boar ribs, Ooh. they are phenomenal smoked. <laughs> do, you like to, do you have to wrap them more to hold in all the moisture, though, different? I brine them. Okay. So after I, get them, after I let them rest for a few days, I, I'll put them in a brine for about 24 hours. I'll brine them up, and then I take them out. Mar- and I'll you know put some seasoning on them, wrap them up in uh, aluminum foil, and they go in the smoker. So that's the same. Yeah, it's very consistent. Good. So mm-hmm. it, 
we mentioned this yesterday with South Albert, uh, Chef Albert. So this is going to be repetitive for the listeners. But at the place that I hunt, I think probably 20 plus hogs were shot this year. And we took four, and it was just because me and my buddy shot them. We're like, hey, we want to try it, mm-hmm. right? Everybody else just leaves them lay, and if they shoot a small one, they might take it into a processor. They won't do it themselves, but they will not even touch anything that's you know over 150 pounds. They'll yeah, they'll, they'll leave it. But he talked a lot about the same thing of you got to find a way to create moisture more, mm-hmm. whether that be inject injecting some bigger pieces of meats, whether it be he said brining all of them, mm-hmm. making sure they rest, brining them. And he recommended for like a whole hindquarter, like you might smoke it for four hours mm-hmm. on like 150 just yep. to get the flavor and the crisp on the outside. But then you're going to wrap it to make sure that you're holding in all that moisture because they are a lot leaner than domestic pigs. Absolutely. And that's uh, that's another thing. Like So like when I do my back straps, I'll, I'll cut them in half and then I fill them with cream cheese, onions, maybe a little bit of bacon, oh. something that's cooked. <laughs> and then I wrap them in bacon and then smoke them. That's the other way I like to do. Okay. I, that's why I like to do the back straps. But then the rest of the pig, we end up just cutting everything up into little cubes because I grind it. Yeah. So, but when I do my grinds, I do a little different than other people. Yeah. You know, people like their deer and they like their whatever. They want to keep it separate. Well, deer is really lean, right? Most people's deers are lean. They don't have a lot of fat on them. Right. So, I mix. I do a 50-50. And then I add bacon fat. So, I take bacon that's just fatty bacon domestic domestic Domestic, bacon and I add it to it when I grind it up so then when I get it into my containers that's when I add my seasoning you know I got those Cabela's you know 25 pound containers Yeah. and once we get one of those full we'll throw a bunch of seasoning in it let it do it and then we wrap it up and then we fry it Chef Albert said I've never heard anybody say he said the exact same thing I was like look take your take 10 pounds of deer take 10 pounds of wild hog put it together and make yourself something good that's it that's pretty much what he said absolutely Uh, he was talking about making um I don't know. It's some like spam type thing. Oh yeah, I don't with know. it all. I don't I, know about I, that. Not not in a can. <laughs> um, but uh, th- this has been really cool. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna come over and buy. Yeah, a, a I'm, I'm, my well, we'll be home. over there later. <laughs> uh, where where can people find sniper hog lights? Where can they find information? Do you guys have you know videos that are out there of how to use it or, or hunts that you've done? Where where can they find more information? Absolutely, you can follow us on. We got I got a YouTube channel, Sniper Hog Lights, all one word, just Sniper Hog Lights, and then of course yeah, our Facebook page. I do a lot of live feeds. I try to do a lot of informative live feeds, and I also do live feeds during our hunts and after our hunts. You know, I try to share as much of the experience with other people as possible, so they can see what it's like to get them in to want to do it you know what type of content's on the youtube channel it's a little bit of everything so i've done instructional videos i've also done predator hunts hog hunts um i do we've done you know two tutorials over the lights you know just a little bit of everything you know running okay. different di- running different night visions when they come out with our lights so you get an array of you know with the tech all the technology that's coming out and the, the change evolutioning change it's, it's not just a product <coughs> no, page no, yeah no okay. it's it's all about the hunts it's all about sharing i share all my friends hunts. my fiance I, she just went and shot an oryx and uh, oh. i shared that so um you know i, I did up the i video the whole thing and her mom ended up killing a uh, red stag so i'll be editing up her video when i get home and we'll have a sweet video of red stag on our youtube channel but i got all cooper's stuff on there when cooper comes down i video oh, his hunts stuff yeah. so, watch those so okay. yeah so you, you, it's it's not always just us. It's uh, I try to share everybody that comes down and shares the experience. And there's a lot of bow kills from 13, 14, yeah, 15 years ago. Yeah, I know ago. what I'm so. going to be doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Well, Jason, I know they're about ready to they're about ready to close this yeah. place down here. But we've uh, this has been really cool. Absolutely. We'll have to come over and check some of the products out tomorrow. And um, at some point, I think all of our African game is going to get shipped out in in a land in Houston. So we're going to have to drive to Texas to go get all yeah, our I stuff. Mean, so, so you we, know, we, we take a couple extra days. Yeah. Who, yeah. Swing by, Who's say, hey, swing by, and we'll go we'll go shoot something. All right, appreciate you for coming on, Absolutely. and everybody else. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, guys.